When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the New Books Network. Get a chair, grab a seat, or we'll sweep you off your feet. We move, we groove, you got mail. Ease your legs, rest a while, all you gotta do is smile. We're swell, can't you tell you Mel? When the show begins, you better hold on real tight. Or before you know it, you'll be high as a kite. Take a break, settle down, we're the only show in town. SRO, don't you know you got Mel? Give it up, don't think twice, we're a hurricane on ice. What the hell, give a yell, ring your bell, show and tell. Mademoiselle, give a smell, you got Mel. You've got Mel. Yay. And uh, incredibly, um, if you listen to the lyrics, Mademoiselle, give a smell, you've got Mel. (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) And um, I found you because you have an incredible uh, literary agent. Yeah. uh, Claudia Gore. Yeah. And uh, because you are a a famous author, <laughs> and what? you have one of those two you, things is correct, <laughs> and you have an incredible book coming out. Yes, that is correct. I can I have it right there. The Great Stink. Uh, just yesterday it was the first day that I was actually able to share the cover with everybody. I I have seen the cover. But, um, but I wasn't able to share it online or anything. So it was really exciting to finally put it out there so everyone could see Nancy Carpenter's. And so wh- when, when can we buy the book? Um, August 31st. So it's still a ways away. <laughs> the 31st of February is a long ways away. No, August. Ah, August. August. Okay. <laughs> so, so this is a program about you. Okay. Would you want to start about the book or talk about uh, Pauline first? I would love to start talking about the book. I love talking so, about the book. So start with the book. <laughs> okay. I'll shut up. Okay. So um, in 2016, I was actually researching for a different book that I was interested in writing. Then I was reading this book about uh, Victorian life, like how it was called How to Be a Victorian. 
And it just took you through the whole entire day. You know, what did they do when they woke up in the morning? How did they get dressed? How did they go in the toilet? And there was one line in that book called, I don't even remember what the line was, but it just mentioned something called the great stink. And actually I was reading this book. I had just gone to a writing workshop in Georgia, which is where I met my agent, Clelia. And I was at the Atlanta airport and it was several hours before my plane was supposed to take off and Clelia was in the same situation. So she and I and my other friend, Brianna, we were hanging out at the airport together and I was reading this book and I read The Great Stink and I went, oh my God, The Great Stink. That sounds like an amazing children's book. What is it? And so I had my laptop with me. I went online and I found out that it was this, you know, horrible event that happened in 1858 when all of the sewage from the entire city of London was being directed purposely into the Thames. And then they had a heat wave and it just baked <laughs> the stuff that was in the river. And um, so the scent was horrible. And at the same time, people were dying of cholera because they were getting their water. Some, some of the water was also coming from the river. And, um, and also at that time, they believed in the miasma theory. So they actually thought that the smell was killing them. So, you know, it was, it was a crazy time to be alive, similar to the one we're in now. But um, so I, I started doing a little research and the very next day was the day that I was going to London. I was going to be staying here um, for a couple of months because my husband was working here. I'm in London now too. And, uh, and I looked online and I found out that the sewage pumping station that was built by the engineer who basically saved London from the Great Stink um, was open for public tours. So the very day that I, or the day after I arrived in London, the first thing I did was got on a train and like, you know, took this train and now we're outside of the city to go to this sewage pumping station. Um, and it was so amazing. Does, does, does your husband allow you to embark on these journeys? You say, honey, uh, I'm on a, uh, a stink uh, journey. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's the understanding, it's the understanding of this, of your fetish. <laughs> Sometimes he goes along with me, but um, but I he was working that day, so I went by myself, and so I you know then I just started doing more research about the Great Stink. I loved the fact that it was an engineer because what what saved London was the building of the modern sewers, which separated the drinking water from the sewage. And um, so I love the story because an engineer was the hero. And then, you know, I figured the poop factor, you know, would get kids interested. And so it just seemed to be a lot of things going together that would make a book that kids would be interested in. And Clelia was there right at the beginning when I had the idea, which was kind of neat. She wasn't my agent yet, but, um, but so now in school that she's actually been with me literally from the moment that I got the idea. So, 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 so to get an agent interested, you have to interest them in a book about bad smells. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you already got that. <laughs> I, 
Where have you been all my life, Colleen? <laughs> I'm on it. So, but, but you know, I, I, I had a, um, I had a look at the book. It's wonderful. Thank you. It's, it's like, it's not a book for four-year-olds. No, not really. I mean, it's a little, I would say it's a little older. It does, they do say for, I think it says four to eight. Yeah, um, but it, 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 it's a real intellectual book. It, it, it teaches oh, so many things and it, yeah. it's so beautifully illustrated. Who's I the know. illustrator? Uh, Nancy Carpenter. She's let's amazing. Give, let's give her yeah. some credit, and maybe yeah. you'll you'll show one of the double spreads if if you're ah, allowed. Sure. Are you allowed I to? I can show you my favorite. Yeah, I can show you my favorite one right now. Um, I. No, I, don't show us your favorite one. Why would you show us your favorite one? <laughs> of course, your favorite one. <laughs> um. Yeah, her artwork is amazing. Um. What I love about it is that you know I didn't know. Before the book came out, when I was writing it, and I and people knew that I was writing for children, and they would say, "What are you working on?" And I would say, "Oh, it's about the, the building of the modern sewers and cholera in Victorian London." And they would go, "What? I thought you were writing for children." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I am. <laughs> it has poop in it." Um, okay, let's see. Where's my favorite? Okay. So um, everybody now knows why I'm so intrigued to meet you, <laughs> a children's writer writing about bad smells. Okay. I mean, you had me from hello. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So the book goes this way. And then my favorite page, you have to turn it sideways and it just goes all the way down because they had to dig so deep. And there's Joseph Bazalgette, the engineer. And there's the two guys meeting in the middle because you know they would be tunneling from different directions and they would have to meet in the middle. He was very precise. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of an homage to Sam and Dave dig a hole. Yes, <laughs> in a bigger kind of way. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a bigger way. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, um, and you know, there, there, I, I read the book. Of course, I'm uh, intrigued by this, as you might imagine. <laughs> Uh, and there's one line that the, the water from the Thames really had some shit in it. And they would, <laughs> they would just let it, like, let the water settle and then they would drink yeah. it. Yeah, but to clarify, it doesn't have the word shit in the book. Yeah, this, this show is for adults, so it's okay. <laughs> so, so, um, so chapeau on this book. It's, it's really incredible. And um, let's now start with uh, Colleen at the age of zero. So tell us about oh. yourself. Um, okay, so I, I was, I've always lived in California. I mean, I'm, I'm in London now, but normally I'm living in California. And um, I was born in Southern California, not very far from Disneyland. Um, my mom worked at Disneyland when I was little. And then when I was in college, I also- One second, there. one second. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Your mom worked in Disneyland? Yeah. <laughs> She worked that, in the. That, that's how she got you the job in the stuffed animals. Oh no! <laughs> what did she, she do? Worked, I forget. I forget the name of the. Um, it was like a. Oh gosh! It was something related to AT and T, like something about the future or something like that. Um, it was near where Space Mountain is now, and um, and then later, when I was in college, I got a job. Disneyland too. So yeah, inside one of the animals. I read about you. <laughs> yes, that's that's right. I was one of the animals. <laughs> Which one? 
Um, I did the dwarfs and I did Cinderella's mice and I did Chip and Dale. Um, did you have to talk like Chip and Dale? No, you weren't allowed to talk because just, you, know, you have the big head on. Yeah, you just, <laughs> just walked around shaking hands. Yeah, and waving and posing for pictures. <laughs> Can you give us one of those poses? <laughs> give us a Chip and Dale pose. <laughs> They're all the same. <laughs> And uh, so, but you skipped uh, many things. Okay. So um, what were you like as a, as a child? Um, I was very shy. Um, I didn't want a lot of attention on me. Um, my mom actually just told me that she, she thought that when after my sister was born, that I, she said, I kind of blossomed a little bit because finally all the attention wasn't on me. So, you know, there was someone else to pull the attention so I could relax a little bit, I guess. Um, Usually it works the other way. Right. <laughs> Lucky sister. Right. So um, I had a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, uh, my parents were divorced and my mom remarried when I was really young. So I grew up having two dads. And um, my one of them was a typesetter, like, you know, the guy who takes the little pieces of type and lines them up. So that he had to change businesses eventually because that, you know, kind of wasn't a thing anymore. But um, we lived in South, Southern California until I was in uh, seventh or eighth grade. And then we moved up to Northern California near San Francisco. And I was always a reader, but not like a voracious reader, not one of those kids who always had my nose in a book, but I loved reading. And I always had a very active imagination, very active imagination. Um, but did you write as a kid? Uh, I, I wrote poems, terrible, terrible poems. I actually found some recently when I was cleaning out our garage. <laughs> this is a good time to share one or two, Colleen. <laughs> They will never see the light of day. <laughs> but, we'll talk about that. We'll talk yeah. About that. <laughs> um, I didn't really. Uh, so I wrote those poems. And then when I was in college, I studied theater in college. First of all, when I was really young, I wanted to dance. I wanted to be a ballerina. And then when I got older, I wanted to be an actor. So I got a theater degree. But I ended up getting my degree in set design because I felt like... One second, you're... Sh hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're just going to skip over all the retiré and changement and the pas de chat and okay. the, all of those French things <laughs> from ballet. Uh, and we're going to go straight to your career as a thespian. Okay. Because you told me two minutes, you told everybody, the world, that yeah. you're shy. Yeah, I know. You well, went into acting <laughs> from ballet. Right, but when you're acting, you're pretending to be somebody else, so it's different. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because then I wasn't being me. I was acting like somebody else. So <laughs> that was actually how I told myself that I could survive this interview if I had to. I could, pre I could pretend I was acting like an author doing an interview. <laughs> So that's like like the imposter <laughs> imposter syndrome turned on its head. Right. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I'm an imposter. <laughs> you're so. so wonderful. No wonder you're famous. <laughs> oh, um, so okay. So so um, you you love you wanted to be a ballet dancer. Yes. Um, but 
then you would want it to be an actor. Yep. And then? Uh, then I went to college and um, I ended up switching from an emphasis in acting to set design because somehow, somehow I thought that like it was more, I don't know, like I would have more job options <laughs> if I was a set designer. I don't know. I ended up, I never did set design after I graduated. I never met a set designer in my life. I mean, <laughs> maybe no one. I know one. Yeah. It's not, it's not a popular job. No, I know. <laughs> but somebody told you everybody's looking for set designers these days. Study set design. Right. So, um, but I did a little bit of acting. I did a couple commercials. Um, and then I was doing, I was taking acting classes. We, we lived in, in, a, in Los Angeles. And I, I went to college in, in Orange County, which is south of Los Angeles. And then my, I met my husband. We got married, lived in Los Angeles. And I was taking acting classes there. And your husband makes movies. Yeah. Yeah, he's an editor, an assistant editor. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's good because, you know, he goes on location and then I get to go with him. So we've, okay. we've been able to, you know, like that's how we're here in London and we've gone to New Zealand and uh, Canada. We were in Mexico. I mean, it's only usually for a couple of months at a time. This time is different because we're, we're here for six months. And then we're going to be in New York for a year. So, you think you're going to be there for six months in London? Well, that's true. Yeah, supposedly. Who knows? <laughs> New York might be closed by the time you get there. Right. It's true. They might not let us back in. Have you been? Can you be jabbed in London? Are you uh, jabbable? No, no, I'm not sure. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm waiting to find out. Well, stay healthy. Thank you. I'm trying. So, okay, so, I mean, we've talked about all these things and you're, you're not getting to the, to the point, your writing career. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so when I was in college, that's why I brought this up, I had a pet lizard named Bill and, um, and I was introducing him to my dad. I was at my grandmother's house and I said, you know, dad, look at my lizard, Bill. And the lizard leapt off of my hand onto my dad's face and was hanging on his glasses and his nose. And it was so funny. And um, so I thought, oh, that would be such a funny children's book about this lizard, you know, who jumps onto somebody's face and nobody can get him off. And, you know, all these different people tried different things to get the lizard off this guy's face. So, so I wrote a story about it. Um, I submitted it to some publishers. How old were you when this happened? I'm just, I must have been 19 or 20, I think. You expect everybody to believe this. I read this in your bio. <laughs> Which of your fathers was it? I'm just testing. Uh, my biological father. Your bio, not the typesetter. No, right. The one who doesn't like lizards. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if he doesn't like lizards. I think Actually, this was, this was probably the idea for the movie Kill Bill. I have never seen that movie. I know. I forgive you. <laughs> so, so if this story is true, it's remarkable. So a, a, a lizard, William the Lizard, is responsible for your whole bloody career. Yes, basically. <laughs> you should have him stuffed. You should have him stuffed and <laughs> put in a museum. 
Huh? And actually, that that story, even though I haven't sold it and have never haven't tried to sell it since I got my agent, but that was the story that caught my agent's attention. She um she critiqued it at that writing workshop conference thing that I was at, and she said it was her favorite story out of the ones she critiqued. And um, but I, then what happened was I after I wrote that for for many years that was the only story I had. And I would, you know, break it out every five to seven years and revise it and send it to publishers and get a bunch of rejections and be like, oh, okay, five years would go by, I'd break it out again. And I was doing other little bits of writing, like I, um, well, after my daughter was born, I was writing for a family fun magazine. I did some articles like for the, the Editor's Guild, since my husband is in editing. Um, I wrote an article about taking your family on location since we had gone on location with him for so long. Um, but so then I kind of, that was the story that got me the agent. But then what I found was that as I was writing more and writing more stories and kind of finding my voice as an author, that I didn't feel like that story represented my more mature author voice, I guess, you know. So I read it a couple years ago, um, you know, cause I was kind of going through stories, figuring out what we should submit. And I read it and I thought, oh, I don't know if I like it anymore. <laughs> so it was, it's interesting to me that that was what got me in the door, but may not be, you know, anything that it might not do anything else, you know, that might be the only thing it does, but that was something. I'm happy to publish it tomorrow. <laughs> We'll have to find you a, an alias so it won't damage your career. <laughs> yeah. Wilhelmina Path. What kind of name is Path? I'm interviewing all kinds of people. I'm not getting any Shirley Jones, no. Sandra Smith. I'm getting people with names that are hard to pronounce. Yeah, it's, uh, it's my married name and it's, I think, Lithuanian or Russian, Russian or Lithuanian. Fine. I think it must, I think, it may have been longer at some point, but I don't know. And actually my husband's, uh, one of my husband's great aunts is also a children's book author. If you look on, um, if you look on Amazon, if you put in F, her books won't come up. She wrote in the 1950s and 60s. She did a lot of biographies of um, composers and stuff like that. It's gonna be Amazing. Yeah. So listen, you know, after after our wonderful conversation, when you share this with the world, uh, please write, uh, uh, you know, the link where people can buy your book when it's out. Okay. The stink link. Yes. <laughs> the great stink link. The great stinky linky. Okay. And um, I should be a writer too, maybe. And and then uh, afterwards, please write the link where where um, your aunt in law's uh, okay. books can be found. Yeah. Well, because this is exactly what I love. I'm like you, you know, I, these crazy things happen to you and then you spend the rest of your life pursuing them. Yes. <laughs> so um, now we're going to go to my theory. Okay. So, okay. So how many books you've published? Several books. You're like no, becoming no, no, famous. No, no. This is my first one. This is and your first I, book. This is my first one. And then I have one more coming out in 2023. And I have two yeah. books on submission now. Ah, okay. So, um, so if we if we want to summarize, like lessons for up and coming aspiring writers like me. Yes. So they would be first of all, 
um, write about something that other people would say, a book about stink. <laughs> so if everybody goes like this, it's a good sign, right? No, not necessarily. It's not what everybody else does. It's what you do. If you look at it and you go, oh my God, that's amazing. Then maybe you should write about it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That was the story of my scientific career. When you interview me about my great stink, yes. <laughs> I, I have this, because when I started working on bad breath, yeah. The only person who was interested in it was me, really. Everybody right. thought I was a jerk. Right. Um, so, so I applaud you for that. So the first thing is stick to your gut feeling. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Secondly, um, secondly, I waited in an airport for an agent to come. Oh, I would say find your community because part of, part of that um, workshop that I went to, the reason I was there was because a friend told me about it and told me I should go. And the reason I had that friend was because I built a community of writers. And uh, I think that is one of the most important things. You built I, a community of writers? Yeah, well, so once I decided that I wanted, I mean, I built like my own community, you know. Um, uh, once I decided that I wanted to get really serious about writing for children and finally write more books than just the lizard book, um, I, I I was already an SCBWI member, but I decided to start a book club. You know how they're always saying that you should uh, get to know the different publishers so you know the differences between each of them because they're all a little bit different. But it's how do you do it? You know, if you're just reading one book at a time, it's not very easy. So I started a book club where I would gather like 25 or 30 picture books every month and people would come over and they would just be from one publisher. So like the first, um, the first one we did was Chronicle Books. So I had like 25 books published by Chronicle Books in the last three to five years. People would come over to your house? Yeah, and I would have people over to my house and we would read the books <coughs> out loud um, which is so fun. I mean, I love having picture books read out loud to me. <laughs> and, um, and so it, that way, because you are reading a bunch of books published by the same publishing house at the same time, it helped you kind of get a feel for what kinds of books they liked. And then also you were keeping up on, you know, what was being published, you know, maybe what editors were looking for. I also, I tried to find out who was the editor of each of the books. That was really a lot of work. But um, I did more of that in the beginning. Later, I didn't have so much time. And, and listen, your stinky book is like a PhD of research. It was a lot of research. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. What, what, your, your next book, the next book that you've signed already, yeah. It's, it's a secret or not a secret? No, it's not a secret. It's um, I have a co-author on that one. Her name is Hina Abidi. And um, the book is a, a fiction book, but it's kind of informational fiction. It's about um, Pakistani, a Pakistani decorated truck. Have you seen the way they decorate their trucks in Pakistan? Um, so it's a truck who's um, just been newly decorated and She's going out on her first run and she's trying to figure out what exactly her job is, like what's her most important job. And so she's saying, you know, my job must be to be admired or my job must be to um, deliver goods or so, you know, she goes through the whole thing. And then in the end, she figures out what the most important job is. And my co-author is from Pakistan. 
So, um, so she has added tremendously <laughs> to the book. There, there was this. Sorry. Yeah, there's this genre called um, informational fiction. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, I heard a great word yesterday, actually, infolicious. Infolicious. <laughs> Somebody described nonfiction books for kids as infolicious. I thought that was a very good description. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I invent words. I love it. Um, so uh, now I want to take you back to my, so um, this book is coming out in 2023. Yeah. And it's represented by Clelia Gore. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be in Chronicle Books. Chronicle Books. Yeah. Great. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, how do I apply to be part of your club? Well, you would have to live in Los Angeles. You can be, you can be part of my world club. Why don't you, why don't we do a virtual club? I've interviewed 15 amazing writers. We could have a club tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've never been. Really fun. I've never been in a club that wanted me. <laughs> so let's go back now. I have a theory. Okay. And my theory is that people like you and me um, are writing for the five or six-year-old inside of us. Yes. Does that somehow? I guess what I would say is that I think it's, I mean, because a lot of people write across age groups. So I think it's more about, it's like being able to access the way you viewed the world when you were that age, kind of, you know? Okay. Now, listen, you know, you can tell me that I'm wrong. Okay. I, I'm, you know, I, I'll just cut it out of the interview, but I, <laughs> But this theory works every time. Okay. What happened to you when you were five or six that made you want to write for small kids? Oh, God. What are you exorcising? Well, actually, I have a really bad memory. My memory is terrible. I was in a car accident when I was in college, and I had a concussion. Oh, and no. I swear that it erased some of my memories. My sister remembers Wait, everything. Hey. In fact, after the pandemic is over, I want to get together with my sister and like have a girls weekend and just talk about our childhoods so she can remind me. I, so, I, so, so I'm going to say goodbye to you and, and contact your sister. <laughs> Don't contact you know, get, my sister. And get, and get the real picture. <laughs> She'll tell you how horrible I was as a roommate. <laughs> so you see, this is now what you're working on. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so it, it's okay not to agree with me. Okay. It, it, ha it happens. So you're, you're disagreeing with me. I'm wrong. No, kind of. I think it's more because I, I knew, I already knew your um, opinion because I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> <Did> a little research. <laughs> you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming and I thought about it and I thought, mm, I don't know. Only because I think it's because so many people don't write from just one age group. You know, you have people that are writing, you know, middle grade, YA, picture books. Chat. Yeah, they're stuck. The, the, the middle grader stuck with a nine year old. Yeah. The young adults are stuck teenagers. <laughs> it's OK. You don't have I'm not a psychologist. OK. And you don't have to agree with me. OK. So you don't agree with me. No. no. OK. That's all right. <laughs> Um, so, um, 
what is there left to talk about after your young childhood? What uh, questions haven't I asked you? Uh, well, you want to tell us a little bit about your new book, uh, Beyond the Pakistani Truck? Um, I, what do I want to tell you about? Um, so, well, who watches your show mostly? Like, what are they interested in? The people who watch my show? Yeah. They're waiting for me to make a fool of myself interviewing <laughs> people. Your good friends. <laughs> um, uh, because well, if, if you watch the show, you know I'm going to ask you to sing a Beatles song in a minute, right? Yeah, actually, though, you didn't do that at the end of all the shows. So I was hoping it was, did you do it at the end of all of them? Maybe I didn't watch till the end on all of them. <laughs> because I know I watched one interview where you didn't do it. And so I thought to myself, it was probably just a fluke that he did it on the other yeah, show. Maybe I was having gas or something and I wanted to <laughs> cut the interview short or something. Right. But I'm fine today. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to tell us about? Yeah, you wanted to talk about how I got my agent. Yeah, but you talked about it. That you met her in an that airport. That wasn't I didn't get her yet. That was how I met her, but that was not how I got her. Ah, so come on. <laughs> so... um I mean, so we met, we made that connection. Um, I really liked her a lot as a person. And this is my tip that I'm gonna give you. Um, and I think I got this tip from reading a book, I think it was by Carolyn Z. And I think it was called, If You Want to Write. But she was a big believer in writing letters to people, just little thank you notes or postcards, you know, like snail mail that you put that a postman carries somewhere or one. Um, so one of the things, one of the things I have always done is that when um, when I would go to a workshop or a conference or whatever, um, if I attend any kind of panel session or whatever, uh, I remember I write down the name of the person who did it. I write down some valuable thing I learned from it. And then I send them a thank you note. Um, you know, just saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed your panel discussion on blah, blah, blah. Um, well, one second, one second, one second. A, 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 a letter with, with a stamp on it? Yeah, a little card, you know, like a thank you card. What, a postcard or an envelope? Uh, it depends, I've done both. I think sometimes that postcards might be better because it's so easy just to look at the back of the postcard and see what it is. And sometimes with envelopes, maybe they don't get opened because they don't know what they're going to be. They might be, I don't know, who knows. But with a postcard, it's just right there. You just turn it over and- You're such a lovely person. <laughs> well, I feel like- I, I haven't gotten a postcard in 40 years. <laughs> May, you know, maybe you'll send me one. Maybe I will. Actually, well, no, I I would love to send you a postcard, but I'm afraid to go to the post office because I don't want to get cold. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want that on my uh, on my account. We'll wait five years until the pandemic is right. over. <laughs> so anyway, so I met Clelia. Um, she wanted to see more of my work, but I didn't feel like I had enough. I wanted to have like four or five stories that were really polished um, before I sent to her. And also, um, I wanted to submit to like five different agents at once. I had a few people in mind just to see if I got multiple offers, you know, so I could like pick who I wanted. <laughs> also, I had a really, um, I had in my mind certain quali qualities that I wanted in an agent. 
And, um, and Claudia didn't have these qualities. One of them was that I wanted an agent who lived in New York because I wanted to someday be able to say, I'm going to New York to see my agent. <laughs> and then another was that I wanted, um, I wanted an agency that just represented children's books because I felt like the people at an agency like that would feel the same way that I do about children's books, you know, that they would love them. Um, but Clelia had once lived in New York, but at the time was in Seattle. And then um, she was not at an agency that was all children's books. But um, so I wanted to, you know, get everything ready, submit to several agents and, you know, time was going by because I'm very slow, I'm a really slow writer. And, uh, and she came to Los Angeles and did a workshop in Los Angeles for the SCBWI and I went to that and, but all of this time I was sending her, you know, little notes to say, you know, I just wanted to check in and let you know I'm still working on my revisions and as soon as they're done, I'll send them your way. Um, I hope you're well. And uh, so then finally, she came uh, to the thing in LA. That was a few months, maybe six months after I first met her. And um, after that, I decided that I would just send her my stories. I didn't even send them to any other agents. I just sent them to her. Um, because also I, um, Anne Whitford Fall, do you know her book, Writing Picture Books, Anne Whitford Fall? It was just, her birthday two days ago. Yeah, it was, yeah. that's right. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, I have to have her on the show. Do you know her? Yeah, I do. She's wonderful. Can you connect us? I would love to have her. Yeah, on that's right. Yeah. Um, she uh, actually, I credit her in many ways with the fact that I have a book coming out because at the same time that I started that book club, she introduced me. She saw my email that I sent out to the SCBWI and she invited me to come to her book club, which was already established. And um, and so I did. And like for the first year that I went to that book club, every time I left her house, I would walk out going like, how, like, why did they let me come to this book club? <laughs> like there were all these, you know, oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> look, look here. <laughs> it's the best book on writing for children. <laughs> so yeah, so, um, and she also invited me to this Monday writing group that she had where, before COVID, obviously every Monday, we would meet at a bakery in LA. And sometimes there would be two or four people. Sometimes there would be like 10 people and we would just sit in the back. We would all sit there and work. And at lunch, we would take a break and you know just talk about whatever was happening. And then after lunch, we would just go back and do our work. And it was it was a big, it was a really big thing for me actually to be a part of that because that was the first time that I was around other people who already had published books and who were actually doing it, you know, like doing the thing that I wanted to be doing. So it was very cool just to see like, if I can have lunch with these people, surely I can also do the thing that they're doing, you know? So, so, you know, I, I have to um, uh, I have to give you credit because, you know, that uh, Clelia, it turns down ninety nine point nine five percent of the probably most commissions. Of yeah. And uh, and uh, so you are like um, one of the very, 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 very few. But 
But there's many. I mean, you know, if you think about it, like many, a lot of people don't get representation, but then a lot of people do. Um, that's correct. We're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> we can have that discussion offline sometime. Um, but you should know that for every author that gets representation, there are many hundreds who don't. Yeah. And, and we hear about the ones who do. Yeah. The ones who don't eventually give up or die. But that's why they don't. It's, you know, we'll, we'll have that discussion offline. <laughs> I, by the way, I would love to. Okay. So all I wanted to say is I'm in awe. Oh. Um, you know, I would give my two front teeth to have an agent like that. Uh, and I have two very good front teeth. <laughs> and they're mine. So uh, we've been avoiding talking about the Beatles. Do you like the Beatles? I do. I love the Beatles. Okay. So 99 people out of 100 have sang a Beatles tune. What Beatles tune do you like? My favorite Beatles song uh, is a very short one, Mercifully. <laughs> <laughs> Her Majesty. Do you know that one? Yes. So listen, you know, you're you're a Californian uh -huh. in London yeah. writing books about Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, so congratulations on the Great Stink. I don't say that to everybody. <laughs> um, and um, and I'm so glad you like the Beatles because I love them. And um, it's a great way to end the show is to ask you to put on your thespian hat. Yeah, but I'm not a singer. Yeah, of course not. Nobody's a singer. <laughs> the, by the way, the singers on, on You've Got Mel don't like to sing because, you know, they say, oy, oy vey, right? What if I don't sing well? <laughs> but, you know, the only thing, people will be angry with you if you don't give it a try, that's all. Will you sing it with me? Do you know the words? Of course. Okay, I'll do it if you sing it with me. Her Majesty. Okay, I'll give you the first two words. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl. Sing it, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changed from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I got to get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl. Someday I'm going to make her mine. Oh, yeah. Someday I'm going to make her mine. So um, we don't have wine. No, and we didn't plan this in advance, but we've actually, yeah. so, you know, I, I, um, I'm so happy to meet you. Very nice to meet you too. I, I, I hope that we become friends. Yeah, I agree. And um, may, may bad smells uh, launch you on a wonderful, miraculous international career, <laughs> the same way they did for me yeah. as a scientist. Uh. Yeah, I can't wait for the uh, our other interview when I get to interview you because I do. You can interview me anytime you like. Okay. okay. We we can do um, another. You've got Mel, where I'm your Mel. Oh yes, I would love that. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. Are you going to embarrass me? No. Then but I'm not going to be on. I love I love to be embarrassed. That's what your watchers want, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's called we call it comeuppance. Right. Okay. <laughs> Yes, if you think you can embarrass me, I'd be delighted to be on your show. <laughs> Just okay. let me know when. Okay. Well. Tomorrow. <laughs> so, so listen, uh, Colleen, this was wonderful. I, you know, it, there's one thing that I've learned about children's book writers, and that they are incredibly lovely, generous people. That's true. I, I, and I, I, ju I just hope um, that when I find my agent, 
And um, when I have a traditional book published, that I'm still going to be me and continue to, you know, have my nose in the in the proper position, like you do. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you will, of course. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm 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 interviewing incredible people, and you're one of them. And uh, and you you have this equanimity. You say, okay, I was one of the you know thousands of people that submitted and got accepted, and you know. But you know what I think that we do is that I, because I find myself doing this too, is that like once it happens to you, you think it it must not really be that hard because I did it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so everybody out there, trust me. <laughs> I mean, I've only been trying for seven years. It's incredibly hard. But seven years, and, is huh? Seven years is not that long. I mean, I know it feels long. Dear, when you're my age, it's not short. Um, and and um, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm hurrying to close this because okay. we've been talking for 45 minutes, okay. and I'm gonna go. No, and because I'm gonna go out and buy a lizard before the stores close. <laughs> Colleen, it's been wonderful. It's been good to meet you. Uh, we're gonna meet again next week in a week or two, and you're gonna interview me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, dear. Don't forget to share. Okay. Bye.